All right, here we are. Welcome to episode one of Come As You Are with Christian Archer. This podcast is all about creating a safe space for artists to reflect on the lifestyle of making music and the pressures that come with it. It's a place for artists to share their origin stories, their darkest moments, brightest days, and everything in between. We hope that these conversations can shed light on what it takes to become a success in the music industry, as well as connect you just a little bit more with your favorite artists. Thanks for listening. Today's guest is Jason Reed, aka Blankman. Jason is one of the most talented young producers I have had the privilege of meeting, and I'm proud to call him one of my most trusted friends. We touch on everything from his praise for Tyler the Creator, developing self-awareness at a young age, to dropping out of college to pursue a career in music. Currently, you can familiarize yourself with Jason's talent through the beautiful and lush production on rapper Johns' album, Free Radical. But make sure to keep an eye out for his first solo project under the name Blankman, coming later this year. With that being said, let's get into it. So for everybody that's would be joining us, um, I decided to give everybody a little bit of frame of reference for what we're going to be discussing. Uh, I decided to kick these each episode off with the artist that's spending time with us. They pick a record out of my record collection. We spin it, we collect our thoughts, and we discuss it. Uh, and today we have Jason Reed with us. He's a singer, songwriter, producer out of New Jersey, now residing in L.A. Um, and he decided to pick Igor uh, by Tyler, the creator, which appropriately just got named Rap Album of the Year at the Grammys. Um and uh, wow, I uh, haven't spent a lot of time with this record up until now. Like I, I bought it literally to flip it. And um, that was probably the second time I've listened to it on vinyl. And it seems to be one of those records that clicks the more and more you listen to it. Kind of like, um, kind of like Blonde in that sense. There was almost like a Blonde moment there where I was like, oh, like, okay, yeah. I, see, I see what people are getting into here. Yeah. Um, so to start, I mean, I just, I have some thoughts on it, but I would love to hear like what that album means to you Definitely. this past year. Um, I mean, that album, I've, I mean, I've been listening to Tyler for, since Goblin, which is, I think, 10 years now. Mm. Um, and Igor is really all of his crazy ideas simplified and you like it, you really really feel the maturity of his progression and i've never really followed an artist like that and i think um igor was that you know final that not its final project but the project where i was like wow right like you can really like as an artist like you can really get from right it's goblin a, to this it's his magnum opus it would appear yeah right because um i i picked up on that too you had um so my probably most potent association with tyler the creator is his work with odd future and then like following yeah. odd future so i think my most recent album that i really dug into of his was actually wolf um, and okay. so like in my head, when I, when somebody says Tyler, the creator, I'm thinking of joints like rusty, you know, these super aggressive, like hyper, um, I guess even toxic would be the word yeah. like 
raps, you know, <laughs> where yeah, it's just, like, just really just gritty and just down and dirty. A lot of stuff that wouldn't fly today. Right. And so then you have, I think the album following that was, was it Cherry Bomb? Is that what it was called? Um, or was Cherry Bomb a sh- song on it? No, I think it was, yeah, it was Wolf, Cherry Bomb, Flower Boy, right. Igor, and Goblin was first. So it feels like, it feels like Cherry Bomb was almost like a half-baked Igor, because that's when he started really venturing out of that like hardcore sound that made Odd Future so controversial yep. and so popular. And Cherry Bomb, he started, he started putting together these almost like, I don't know, like overwhelming cacophonous landscapes where it's it just like assaults the ears yeah and for me cherry bomb didn't assault my ears in the right way and i was almost like put off with it i was like this isn't yeah it's not for me there's too much going on and flower boy um it was just i wasn't really in paying attention to what was going on in hip-hop at that time so i think that one kind of flew right over me but it feels i guess exactly what you said that this is the culmination of everything he's done since Goblin and Yonkers and all of that has culminated into this. And it's yeah, such a departure from like the Tyler we know. Mm-hmm. Would you say Tyler is the super influential artist for you? Like kind of like you're a stand for him? Um, I mean, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, so there's, I mean, there's a, like what you said with the, with the Cherry Bomb. Um, I'm trying to think about my like intro to him. Like, I want to say it was, like, Yonkers, just because, like, that's just, like, eating the cockroach. But, like, I could have been Odd Future. But what you were saying with the Cherry Bomb thing is you see glimpses sonically, a little bit of Cherry Bomb, a little bit of Flower Boy. Right. Um, there's a song on Igor called Gone Gone Thank You. It's, like, he always does, like, these, like, combined songs for doesn't bleed into each other yeah yeah um and that song was i think he made that beat for cherry bomb oh really and held on to it do do you which one was that that we that was on igor uh yeah that was the one um it was toward the end gone gone uh uh thank you it's uh it's it's the one that has like those like those like it's like kind of the four on the floor like, okay. for dinner. Okay, and yeah. Just, there is a lot going on in that album. Like, yeah. what I do like about how we orchestrated it is it all bled into each other. It does. So there was no, like, clear break of, like, this song's over, we're moving to this next thing. He would hit you with the next song almost instantly. It's wild, yeah. And I think that that definitely, that's one of the many things that inspires me about him. Like, I mean the the from just his you know he dips into fat like just the creator that he mm-hmm. is i right. mean it's, it's in the name like fat he has got fashion he does tv stuff and just like the overall just not giving a like shit about right. what anyone thinks, thinks yeah, or whatever absolutely. like that's that's like number one and like there are a lot of artists who who have that um but not many people have embodied it like Tyler, right. the creator. And though. and there's there's something about him where like his fans stuck like he's got Stan fans. Like mm. you you don't there aren't many artists who could have projects like he had in the being in the beginning of his career right. and have fans stick around. Right. Like he's saying some like 
like stuff that can you know yeah and um it's it's interesting because with most artists you kind of observe the trend of they start off hot and then they fizzle out right. like i think that's the trend we're all used to from from recording artists and musicians and mm-hmm. it's an incredibly hard thing to keep up with is being better than you were before and topping yourself especially when music is so uh spontaneous you know it kind of comes from places it's kind of hard to invent it you yeah. just have to like feel it mm-hmm. um but it seems like tyler has been on this track of constant progression um and at the end of that album he says uh, and this stuck out to me so much he said uh i hate wasted potential it crushes your soul and you get the idea that this album igor was him tapping that potential that maybe he felt was repressed due to his status as Tyler, the creator and this hardcore rapper and this almost violent personality. Um, and so it's, it's beautiful to see him tap into that and create yeah such a beautiful, like layered complex album. Like it, yeah. it really blew me away. I mean, away. He, he's, he's always had his ideas have always been, they've always been super radical. And I think, I think this album was him just still those radical ideas, mm-hmm. but like really well put together. Yeah. Like, you know, um, I've heard him talk about his older projects and he doesn't like, he doesn't love them. Like I've heard him talk about this album. Right. And I think with the waste of potential thing is maybe he felt like he wasn't reaching his full potential mm. And, um, this was like him proving that he could do it all, right? Write it, produce it, you know, arrange it. Yeah. And he slapped it on the album, you know, that it's, it's on, it's on, and I've seen a lot of artists do that since he did it Yeah. where he's showing everyone he's, you can do he, everything did, he did everything. Be successful. And what's amazing is he produce like he is producing the beats the music right for all of his albums he's the first person ever to win like to get a number one album, a number one album that he produced it, producing it writing and it, performed all yeah. of that shit incredible and i think that's like extremely it just shows you that you know you you can you can do it all on your own right you know he's not a trained musician in any way he taught himself how to play all these instruments yeah um he just has these ideas yeah and i mean when you hear him singing on his album like you can tell he's not a trained singer yeah. either but he makes it work he embraces mm-hmm. it like he, at parts it sounds like how i hear myself sing yeah you know but it's like he had the balls to like attack this vocal filter mm-hmm. you know and just make it work for him yeah um what's also interesting about the wasted potential part is like because tyler the creator was such a divisive like controversial figure um it felt like he he was kind of spun as this, I guess, masculine, hyper-masculine man, almost yeah. toxically masculine, you know, throwing the word faggot around and all these things that are just big no's. Um, and it feels like this album and just the stuff that has been kind of surfacing with Tyler in the past couple of years was kind of embracing, I guess, the more feminine side of his of his nature yeah because the album in itself it it bounces through these different peaks and valleys like you have um songs that almost sound like they're like punk rock super in your face like overwhelming your senses and then he brings it down to these super 
mellow tones yeah. and, and embraces like a falsetto and all that stuff. Like it's, it seems like this is, it's a reckoning with himself. Yeah. Um, and trying to balance the two sides of him, the masculine and the feminine and bring it together to create this beautiful, beautiful album. Absolutely. Would you say when you hear this album, do you, th- do you agree with the Grammys giving this best hip hop album? Like, is this hip hop now? Um, I mean, I, I, I definitely thought about this. Um, and I watched his thoughts on it and, um, I, when I first heard it and I, I didn't think last year was a great year for, for hip hop as, as a whole. So I understand, you know, there's definitely, there's, there's hip hop. I mean, it's all hip hop influence, but I would definitely categorize it as like a, like a poppy, mm more pop right you know he's he's always he's always played with chords and such a such an amazing every one of his songs has a chord like has some sort of melodic right no matter what and i think on this he really and with flower boy as well really tapped into making pop music right um and i've heard him talk about how he's wanted to produce for like justin bieber and like some top pop artists Mm. and like a song like earthquake like that's a that's a pop song right there's not really rap on it i mean play by cardi has a little little moment but um there's i i i agree that it it's a rap album but it should have been categorized in best albums like best album of the year yeah. it shouldn't be it should have been acknowledged in other categories categories for sure i mean yeah. the the amount of times he even raps you could probably count on one hand yeah most of it is honestly it's just it's sounds it's it's noise it's instruments like it's layers of 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 different like harmonies and melodies and it's um at points it it can you can mistake it for like diant word or like at points it was like i was like almost reminiscent of like an artist like grimes yeah um and it it, it's crazy i feel like i feel like um the because it is it, there's still a lot of experimental aspects of the album and there are a lot of albums like that where the artist experiments beyond what the the general consumer can comprehend mm-hmm. and i think the academy um and i you know i'm i don't know as much as the next but the academy maybe can't comprehend that like right. our generation you know like our yeah, generation for sure. um but he spoke up and I feel like they got to keep hearing stuff like this, stuff that breaks boundaries, um, music that people have never heard before. Cause then they're just going to keep thinking like, Oh, like this is just pop. This is pop. But we need someone like Tyler and people who are breaking boundaries of hip hop and making it sound, you know, breaking into the pop world. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's important for, for albums like this. For sure. So my, what is your main takeaway from Igor? Like what is the overarching message that, that, cause being, this is only my second or third listen to this yeah. album. I ha I I'm coming to understand it sonically, Yeah. but I'm not sure what I'm looking for. Um, uh, like as a takeaway, like a you takeaway. sit with t- to pimp a butterfly. You, once that thing, ends you're staring at the wall for five minutes yeah, like, yeah. 
thinking about everything you just listened to. Mm -hmm. Is there an overarching theme to Igor or is it just an experimental project that leaves us with these beautiful, new, exciting soundscapes that like we haven't really heard before? I actually, when uh, Zane Lowe interviewed Charlie, the creator, he was mentioning how people thought like the song structures in this thing were broken. Um, And that's, I think, why it kind of takes a while to to sit with you. Mm -hmm. Um, But is that all there is to this album is beautiful new soundscapes or is there something I'm missing? Is this a breakup album? What's the, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely some breakup aspects. I think, um, he's in love and, um, it's like new to him. He's in love with the, with the boy and mm-hmm. he's, conf- you know, so that he, he, that's, is that mentioned in the album that he's... Yeah, I mean, there, there are people, there are songs called Boy's a Gun. Right, Boyfriend. Um, Boyfriend, which the I heard for track. the first time today, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, he's just kind of letting it all out there. Right. His, his, I mean, his confidence is just... Wild. It's, it's absolutely wild. Yeah. And I think that's um, number one the number one thing that sticks out to me is his confidence. Like, and that's something that just, I mean, when he put it out, he was like, I know this is the number one album. Like, I know (laughs) he just like, you know, like he's like, you don't have to tell me like, I, I, I know. And I'm like, it's insane. Like good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, he was right. A hundred percent. But I mean, when I, when I listen to albums as a producer, I put on my producer hat. I just like really can't help it. Mm. And I kind of, I just like love sounds. Mm. So I'm really just attached to sound. Mm-hmm. And even if I like, I don't relate to the album, right. I I can feel the artist. Right, the intention. Yeah, like right. like I, I feel the emotion. Like I feel certain things he was going through and I can relate it to certain parts of my life mm. where I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this was such a beautiful like, yeah, you know, just it was a thing. His, his yeah. life, man. <laughs> just, you know, like I don't know. I, I I've always loved Tyler's, just like how he's like put together his songs. Right. Like no, to me, like no one in in rap or in just you know R and B. He's got a little bit of jazz, like just some soul everything yeah yeah his sampling is so on point as well it's just it's crazy and he, he he knows what he wants he, like he knows he he knows what he wants his stuff to sound like right. he's very uh just in 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 tune yeah so it sounds like this album was not only experimenting with new sounds and like innovating new structures and all this stuff but it was it was a reckoning uh of Tyler's masculinity his femininity femininity yeah his coming to terms with his sexuality and it's like putting your mental health first in music and really confronting those things about yourself, which, you know, may take a while to arise up. Yeah. Um, how those can lead to beautiful projects when you really come to embrace it and lean into it. Um, I am glad I own this album. I'm glad you picked it out. I'm going to spend a lot more time with yeah. it. Um, beautiful. Really cool, man. Yeah. Um, moving Past our album chat, uh, I wanted to give a little bit of background on the intention of this podcast and what I hope it will become. 
and uh, where I hope it will fit in the music industry too. And coincidentally enough, I was watching yesterday Zane Lowe's interview with Haley Williams from Paramore, um, and they just had an incredible heart to heart for over the course of an hour. Haley Williams is basically stepping away from Paramore for the first time, I think, in 16 years. Wow. Um, she has been touring, you know, playing the same album, playing new albums, but really this legacy band at Music this point. Music that could live on forever. Right. And it, it's, it's, she's been attached at the hip to this idea of herself yeah. and this part of herself that she can't seem to separate from. Um, and she had very intimate moments on air with Zane Lowe. Uh, who's he's just a phenomenal interviewer. He just knows how to connect. He knows how to listen. Uh, and hopefully that's something I can emulate. But something that stuck out to me in that interview, which I recommend everybody go watch. It's absolutely awesome, especially if you're a Haley Williams fan. But at a point, she started crying uh, because she felt, I guess, stuck. Well, no, she felt she was she was talking about what it's like to step away from Paramore and just the stuff that she's gone through, suicidal yeah. tendencies, suicidal thoughts, all of these emotions that came rushing to the to the top when somebody stopped to ask her, how are you doing in all of this? Mm-hmm. You've been touring, making music for 16 years. Who knows how long you've been doing it before you actually got on? How are you feeling about yourself, about life, about your mental health, about your future, about your past, everything. And all these thoughts came bubbling to the top with with just the help of Zane Lowe, like kind of guiding her along. And she said to him, she said, I want to let you know you are one of the only interviewers in the entire world where I feel safe, like that I actually want to talk to um, because you care about the human within. You care about the person inside of me. And Zane's response was excellent. And he said it was essentially that, we as as interviewers, as podcasters, as radio hosts, need to create better environments for artists, especially now in an environment where the music industry is demanding so much of an artist. Especially when you think about the the music industry as a whole, the the traditional means in which you make money have kind of evaporated. Nobody's buying your albums anymore uh, unless they're vinyl collectors. Right. You're not getting paid handsomely through the likes of streaming services. So what are your real options of making money here? It's selling merch, right? which you have to sell at your tours. Mm-hmm. Um, and tours are going to be your big moneymaker. But now it seems to have created this environment where once you get on, you're touring for for years, <laughs> you know, just yeah. nonstop. And the second you come off of that tour, you have to get back in the studio to make some new stuff to tour. Right. Because if you're not touring, you might not be able to make it as a musician because you can't pay your bills. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually saw this brilliant uh, singer-songwriter from South Africa named Alice Phoebe Lou here in L.A. at the Roxy a couple years ago. Um, I might be exaggerating this number, but I think we were the last show on her tour, which she said was... She's been touring basically consistently for three years. Wow. Um, just nonstop. She was like kind of this little internet phenomena who like broke through um, this YouTube video of her covering uh, Lou Reed's Wild Thing. No, wait. No, Take a Walk on the Wild Side. Um, and she kind of saw this viral success that kind of catapulted her music career. And she's been touring nonstop ever since. Um, 
And even at the show, you could see how like visibly stressed she was. She put on a, an amazing performance, but still, like you could see the toll that this new music industry is kind of taking on artists. Yeah. Um, so I guess my intention with this podcast is to create a space for artists to work through and talk about, you know, everything they've been to up to this time, what the come up's like, um, what the hard parts of the come up have been, what, what the good parts are, uh, where you see yourself evolving as an artist. Um, ideally I want people to look back on these interviews after you've established yourself, after you've become successful, or if you already are successful, I hope that these conversations that I have with artists will serve as windows into the life, the life, the philosophy and the mindset that they had to acquire in order to become successful at what they do. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, you know, as well as anybody deciding to making the decision to become a recording artist professionally, to become a musician professionally is absolutely batshit crazy. Yeah. Like it's a crazy thing to say to yourself. It's a crazy thing to say to your parents, your friends, all of this stuff. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of space for things to go wrong Mm -hmm. and not a lot of space for things to go right. So with that being said, like I would love to just kind of to sit with you and dive a little bit more into, I guess like your upbringing, like what brought you to music um, and everything in between. So I guess just start off telling me a little bit about uh, where you're from, a little bit about how you were raised, what you were like as a kid, how you kind of fit into your family's mold. Well, man, um, I am from New Jersey, grew up in Short Hills, New Jersey, um, and I've always loved music. Uh, my like most vivid memories of music is my mom driving me to school and putting on like Elton John, um, or just playing her CDs in the car, and I never really thought of it as a profession until later on, but it always had an impact on my life. I was definitely an athlete first. That was kind of where I saw myself going. Um, But when I realized that, and I decided to do music, that what I felt and wanted to be, my feeling of wanting to be an athlete was not nearly what I felt when I realized I wanted to be right. a musician. And you were a phenomenal athlete. Like you were a decorated like tennis player. Like you were performing at a very high level. Yeah. Whereas with music at the, at the point where you were performing at a very high level in tennis, did yeah. you, were you performing at a high level in music or were you like, I, I got to just go yeah, for no, it? Yeah, no, I was like, I got to go for it. Like wow. there's just this love for, for, for wanting to try something new. And I was always trying something new. And I know when I told my mom, like, I wanted to get into music and I want to do this stuff in her head, she was like, uh, here's him just wanting to try something new, you mm-hmm. know, because um, I was always trying something and then like kind of letting it go. My whole life, it was like learning how to play piano and then learning how to play guitar and I would do it for a little bit and then stop. And then when did you start playing with instruments? When were you starting to like, um, harness this musical bone? I mean, as far as my memory can go back piano maybe when I was like 10 for like a little bit guitar when I was like 12 
for like a year. And were they consistent practices or? Yeah. For, for the time that I did them, they were like pretty consistent during the week. Whenever I didn't have like practice for like sports, like I played like two sports a season. Like I played soccer, basketball, hockey, tennis, base, like everything, everything. Right. And there was like that moment in my sport career where it was like, all right, I'm going to cut out all these and just focus on one. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was like my first time experiencing, like really focusing on one thing. And that's super, you know, with, with going into music, that was the focus that I needed. Like I needed that experience with focusing on just one sport to really understand that if I'm going to really learn music, cold you gotta focus fire you gotta focus right and that's gotta be number one and i've always wanted to do multiple things i'm i'm you know i'm that guy who like i have like my bedroom like changes every every (laughs) month like i can't you know get comfortable in the same thing so i knew that if i was doing music it was always going to be a little different it was always you know it was never going to be like the same stuff constantly Mm because I just can't do that as a, you know, but, you know, when I first started, I started as a DJ and I was like, okay, um, it was kind of the music I was listening to. I was listening to a lot of electronic music and Swedish house mafia, Swedish house mafia, <laughs> Porter Robinson, you know, Skrillex went to a couple of festivals and I really, I limited myself in the beginning, How so? you know, um, it wasn't until, I mean, I'm trying to, let me create a little bit of a timeline. Absolutely. Um, I went to my first festival in 2012, um, Electric Zoo in Reynolds Island. Right. And shit I saw show. like, absolute shit show. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, this is the music I want to make. Okay. Um, how old I, were you at this time? Um, I was a uh, sophomore in high, in high school. Right. Okay. Actually, I didn't say this is the music I want to. Well, I did say this is the music I want to make, but I didn't make it. I didn't start making it until like the next year. I started DJing at first. Right. And I was like, okay, this is cool, but I want to like make my own stuff so I can like be you know play my own stuff. So then, me and my friend Joey from high school created a little duo. Mm-hmm. thing right and um we started making really <laughs> just <laughs> just remixing like random things that didn't have to be remixed <laughs> yeah but you guys you guys are getting your toes wet yeah yeah you know we were familiar we were getting familiar with right. uh just making music production yeah. and the 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 software that you use you know um and yeah i i definitely in the very beginning of that that venture, I was very much like in the back seat. Like Joey was very hands on in the mm-hmm. beginning, and I was kind of, I was kind of, you know, a little, a little timid. Like, was it because he was more experienced, or was it I don't more know if like it was about it, I don't know if it was about experience. I think it was just about like he was ready to like jump in right away, and like I was like still like kind of just l- visually learning, and in in my head I was like looking back at it now like that wasn't what i wanted to do right. in the in the and, moment though did you see that as like this is 
this is it. Like I'm gonna go to Electric Zoo. I'm right, right, right. A hundred percent. Like you, duo. you, vi- you visualize like all these things. Yeah. And uh, you try to like manifest like certain situations, but I wasn't really even like thinking like that back then. Right. Um, Why do you think that is? Do you think it has to do with the environment? Like, yeah, I think it was just like experience, and like I never had those conversations. I ne- I was never around people who were thinking like that. Lines, right. You know. Maybe I had those thoughts, but I wasn't like conscious to be like, oh, wow, I'm like thinking in the future now mm. and this can potentially right. happen because I'm visualizing it. I'm becoming and, self-aware. Right. <laughs> at a young age. Exactly. So explain, um, you're from Shore Hills, New Jersey. Explain yeah. for people uh, that don't know the area, mm-hmm. what that area is like, what the people are like, how that may influence or discourage right. your creative journey well um it's a very affluent area mm. and a lot of kids kind of have their future their future locked in locked in right. and uh whether it was like how i dress when i went to school or it was always like a little different like you know there were like a few people like you were one of them as right. well where we kind of like had a different type of right. way we move for quick background me and jason went to high school together we did and we naturally seemed to gravitate towards each other for reasons he's explaining yeah now. and i think the biggest move that i made being in that environment where it was very much like going out friday saturday mm-hmm. sunday watching football and right. then school and all this like drama sh- like right bullshit it was just it didn't matter. Beer pong like, and social clicks. Yeah. And I, I didn't drink in high school. I didn't do any, like, you know, I was very much doing my, right. doing my thing. I, I never really followed trend, like trends right. in any, in any, in any way. But you seem to somehow have found yourself in the trendy, in the trendy groups. Yeah. So it was, it was interesting for me to observe you too, because I could sense that there is something going on underneath, like that yeah. you were a little bit more of the creative vein than maybe, you know, the people you surrounded yourself with. Um, not to say they weren't great people, mm-hmm. but creatives flourish well with other creatives. Um, and so seeing you as this almost like a, an outlier, but that was in the, was on the inside. Yeah, was man. a very interesting thing to observe. And I yeah. always wondered how that affected like your pursuit of music, your pursuit of creativity, your pursuit of yeah. Did you ever fear judgment from your peers or rejection from your peers for choosing the route you're now on? No, I mean, they, they were always very supportive, mm-hmm. um, whether they were like, oh, man, this is a long shot. They never said that to me. Right. I'm very good at like reading someone's, you know, you know, body language. And some of them were like, oh, you know, whatever. Like, I remember like my first conversation of like, you know, thinking about production is... One of my friends um, got a music production software from his grandma mm-hmm. and a MIDI keyboard. Mm-hmm. And this was maybe like eighth grade, like before, before high school, or maybe it was high school. But I, I was like, are you going to learn how to produce? Like, what is this? Like, all this stuff. I was so foreign to me. And he was like, yeah, you know, my grandma got it for me. Uh, one, of my, one of my brother's friends produces and i was like oh cool 
and he you know he was like telling me a story about how like it's just like super tough and all this stuff and it wasn't even like in my head like this is what i'm gonna end up doing right but that always stuck with me like that my friend was telling me like yeah, like it's very very tough that was the first time i like really heard like the music industry is tough i never thought about the music industry in any way right it was always just like, oh, you know, these people make music, they put out projects, and I have no idea how it happens. What was the path that was, uh, like, prescribed to you? Like, where did you kind of, I guess, subconsciously think you were going to go? You know, because I know being in high school, you kind of subscribe to the idea, of, all right, I'm going to go to college next, and then I just get a job. Don't right. know what job, a job. Got to right. feed my family, got to support. Did you have a path that was expected of you from parents or any of that stuff? Like, what were you telling yourself you were going to be doing? I never, I never really um, spoke about it out loud mm -hmm. um, for a very long time. And I, I always kept, like, my, my ideas and what I wanted for myself deep down, also because I wasn't 100% positive there weren't events that were like so bad that i was like like i gotta just do this right now because like this just sucks i never really had those moments which i'm super grateful for that i've been you know stable right. financially like my my whole life like my family's support has been unbelievable yeah so i think you know i did go to school for the amount of time that I could handle. Right. And it wasn't until I really, really got to a point where, and I was already making music a little bit at this point, right. not, not very good music. <laughs> so, I mean, to interrupt, so you go into college. Yeah. Um, before that, you're making this music like with, house with music. Joey, house yeah. music, kind of remixy, um, nothing really pushing boundaries yet. Right. So you go to school at this point, do you still have this, des or, I guess you obviously do because you ended up leaving, but you go to school. Are you already thinking in school, like, I have to get back to music, like, as you're applying to Indiana University, as yeah. you're sending, like, right. So I went, Yeah, so I went to Indiana University, you know, first week, second week, didn't go out, wasn't socializing. I knew in the back of my head, like, it was getting clear and clear, like, I don't, don't I can't be here. here. Right. Um and you know there were thoughts of like my friends were like oh you should dj the frat parties you should do all this stuff right <laughs> and like i didn't want to be a dj that was just like my intro right. into whatever and there are still people today who are like you know <laughs> six seven years later like like yo how's djing <laughs> you know like and i'm just like i that's not what i do yeah but um yeah i got to a very low point where i um was like this is obviously not where I should be. These aren't the people I really want to, you know, like be around right now mm -hmm. in this like discovery, in this yeah, of absolutely. of my my life, you know. So um, again, it's you practicing self awareness, which yeah. is so valuable. Like yeah, and it was like you know there there are glimpses of it, but there's like certain moments in your life where that you become real self aware, right? And exponential like growth it's yeah that was one moment and a huge turning point um i'm sure and i was surfing the web one day coming up on what was going to be the next semester 
and I made a phone call to my parents about this school that I found in Cal- in LA, mm-hmm. and they were like, "If this is what you want to do, and you're set on it, we're not going to get in the way of your dreams." Awesome. All this stuff, and they were super supportive. But what they were concerned about as parents is the fact that I wasn't socializing mm. in college, <laughs> and that if I went out to California cold that I was going to be able to like make relationships and right. you know work in that atmosphere. I guess it's it's a pretty valid concern yeah, I guess yeah. like if you're going to LA to become a musician you obviously have to do some networking you have to be 100%. able to socialize so 100%. They were actually thinking about it very pragmatically. They're like Absolutely. All right, great idea, but let's talk uh <laughs> let's talk strategy. Right, right, which was what I'm you know 100% had to do. Right. Um so I took that semester off the summer, applied to the school that I was going to enter in at the top of the next year. So when I came home from school, I went to a production school called Dubspot for about three months and took a in New York, course right? in New York. Right, yeah, absolutely. And then um, for the next six months... I worked at a modeling agency. Thanks, thanks, oh, thanks yeah. to you. I forgot, completely <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Um, and that that experience <laughs> was a real eye opener in like <laughs> being. You know, I mean, obviously you were there, right? But they se- they they sent me out on like excursions where I had to like be by myself <laughs> right. and with like wads of money like just like <laughs> insane tasks that right. put me in situations like uncomfortable situations uh-huh. that I never experienced in my life and those were experiences that really set me off going to California yeah. it like, seems like almost like getting into that the modeling agency when I was there as well um, my first job was I was an assistant agent at a modeling agency in New York and um I guess I, I brought you in because yeah. I was like, I need somebody yeah, here. Yeah. Like they, they said, they'll hire you, like come on over. Um, I guess I needed someone to like keep me sane in there because I was going fucking nuts pretty Man. quickly. Um, and I it gave me my first real taste of, like, I guess, being a traditional adult, mm-hmm. you know, nine to five job um, that actually wasn't nine to five because you're on emails right. after and all that stuff. It gave me the first taste of the life that I did not want. And then I brought you into it. And you're like, I'm going to move to L.A. and make music. I was like, no, like, like stay, stay here. <laughs> like, we'll just do this modeling yeah. agency shit. We're good. Um, I'm glad you didn't because yep. <laughs> I think I was just trying to keep you around for my yeah. own company. I thought about it. <laughs> I know you did. I definitely thought about it. Thank God you did not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, wow. So it gave you your first taste of, I guess, the same thing, the lifestyle you did not want and yeah. further confirmed your exodus to california Mm -hmm. so then yeah it was after that moved to california cold before we get there so when you are leaving indiana Mm -hmm. um and you're telling your peers like essentially dropping out of college uh gonna make some music what was what was the reaction then? What was the consensus across across the board from friends? Mixed. And- it was mixed. A lot of a lot of them, you know, envy. You know, they they. It was definitely not the norm where right. we grow up. You know, Absolutely. everyone goes to school. 
graduates graduates into high paying jobs yeah and from great schools and great connections and great networks and yeah all that stuff it's it's um where we went to high school it seems like life is very um laid out i guess you could say it's pretty um, it's pretty controlled through your through your parents like and i mean it's a it's a great system that they're able to take part of but it's a very it's a very privileged one yeah. um and one that if you don't practice self-awareness you can very quickly lose a lot of yourself into, you Absolutely. know, cause you get whisked through this process of high school and right after high school, before you even have time to, to detoxify from 18 years of education, that's been telling you what to think, how to speak, how to be around people, um, how social circles work. You're expected to get whisked right back into a four year school, enter the frat life, enter Greek life, all that stuff. Right after that, you're, parents come through with the network and they're like got your job here hook you up here i know somebody over there like you want to work over here great let's let's make it happen and all of a sudden boom you're in the uh what do they call it the system the system yeah you're in the system so i have always been fascinated because i inhabited a different social circle um during high school yeah and that social circle was a little bit more i mean a lot of them were very creatively based and kind of yeah kind of outliers as well in the sense that they didn't prescribe to or subscribe to the idea of i guess the traditional path right like immediately following up high school with education yeah and then from there all a lot of them were um just trying to figure it out i mm -hmm. guess a little bit more uh, in tune with themselves so for me to, I kind of had that, that space where we all kind of did the same thing after high school. I, very few of us went on to follow our education. And as a result, we spent a lot of time alone. Um, after high school, I spent quite literally two and a half years locked in my house, like, spare a couple weekends going out with friends. Yep. Um, and like when summers, when the kids that did go to school, school come back, I'd obviously join them and partying and drinking and yeah, all that shit. Yep. But basically outside of this one summer, 2014, I was basically locked up in my room <laughs> for two and a half years. Yeah. And that is when I think I already had a degree of, of self-awareness um, going into that, I mean, I had to because I decided not to go to school and try to become a rapper. So that's obviously me exercising that first degree of self-awareness. Yep. Um, but it was that alone time that made me realize, I don't want to be a rapper. <laughs> like, what am I actually doing? Yeah. Um, and it was from then that I actually started to fall in love with music because I spent less time writing music um, and I spent more time listening. listening to music and going from a hardcore hip-hop head that listened to fucking everything and knew everything that hit the internet the second it was out yep. knew all the fresh mixtapes i went from there to like all of a sudden discovering jazz and like bands like the ink spots and then artists like frank sinatra and then from there i bounced to like classic rock and all of a sudden i was immersed in the doors and led zeppelin and all of these influential bands and so for two and a half years, I did nothing but play video games and listen to music. Uh, and at the end of that, I, I understood that my passion was, was music, but not necessarily the creation of it. Right. Um, but I never felt that backlash from friends that were kind of questioning my path. Or I, I wondered, did you feel like almost embarrassed in those situations because of like 
the the world you grew up in was it was it hard to tell your friends or tell your family like i don't want to be part of what you may expect of me um no i i I never really felt that i i kind of just always just like said whatever whatever i was kind of feeling like in that college time right i was very very not myself like to the you know, very deep. <laughs> we can get into that a little bit, but you know, there's like, there's there's a point down there where you're just like, I just gotta just say what I'm feeling because this won't get better. Right, just gonna consume um, me. Even though you know it, it, it probably will, mm-hmm. just not where where you want it to unless you really say what you want. Mm-hmm. And I think. Um, and I remember the moment like very vividly, like when I called my parents and was like, I got to get out of here. Um, but like with my friends, like they were all, they're all pretty supportive. Like the ones that like spoke and said something like said some said, you know, were like, yo, you're gonna do do your thing. Like whatever makes you happy, you know? Awesome. Um, and you know, they, couldn't really give me more than that because right. <laughs> they, they didn't really know, know that, you know, <laughs> exactly. Like, right, go get them. <laughs> and quite frankly, nor did I. Right. Um, I just needed to dive into something right. fresh and brand new. And there was really no thought of failure. It was kind of from that moment on, it was like, this is what Gotta I'm going to do. Right. <laughs> so, so you, um, you leave Indiana university you learn a little bit of a little bit more in-depth music production yeah. fundamentals. You take a little dip into the New York fashion scene, yep. and you say, "Fuck this! I'm moving to California. I'm gonna become a musician." Yeah, you live in the California dream out there. How does how? What are the next months like? So, um, going back to like a point that you made earlier is, uh, I when I first started out in California, Mm -hmm. I limited myself beyond to really just making and playing the big festivals and electronic music very much. So like, Mm. so you were still set on electronic music. A hundred percent. There was no thought of like, I'm gonna like learn these instruments or like whatever. I was like very focused on mastering this software and the music that I knew how to make was like progressive house. And right. who were you listening to at this time? Like who was Porter Robinson, Porter Robinson. He was like my main guy. Okay. Um, you know, there, there, there were more, like I was very invested in SoundCloud and, um, I, and I was very into like Tumblr and like all these, all these forums for just random visual stuff. And, mm-hmm. Um, hashtag aesthetics. Yes. <laughs> uh, the vaporwave. Yes. Um, but yeah, that 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 was definitely my guy. Um, and thank God that he was, because he's like very, you know, very melodic and very much a musician, mm-hmm. like piano and all that. So as I dug deeper into him as a musician not just the music i realized he was doing more than you thought he was exactly (laughs) it's so funny so 
um, I was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't brought in just this and because Icon when I went was very much Icon Collective. Icon Collective, yeah. Um, it's a production school I went to. Uh, is very much a producer. Didn't really stress like the singer songwriter as much as they should have. Mm. Um, they had a songwriting class, but now they really push like the artistry, you know, all the, not just the electronic scene, you know, mm -hmm. building yourself as like a singer songwriter and, a you know, learning instruments and all that stuff. Um, but that was not even a thought when I was at Icon. I was just listening and learning and I was living with a lot of musicians who were teaching me a lot of things. And I think I learned more from them than the actual school. Mm. And like, they taught me some spiritual, you know, I had some spiritual, really, really spiritual roommates who I never even... Like how spiritual we talking? I, like... Like bringing out like, the crystal grids? Like br bringing out the crystal grids, <laughs> like, um, you know, the, uh, like meditating like every day just always talking about like vibrations and such yeah gotcha. it just and it kind of you know i i would listen and whether i believed it or not or whatever i was kind of just open opening myself up to just new thoughts and right. like new conversation um and that was kind of my like intro to just like listening and there people have different you know so i'm gonna just be here and take it in and see what you can find. Yeah. Useful. You know, I'm, I'm, and it's still something, you know, I, I, kind of, I kind of struggle with is, is like speaking, like speaking up and like things that I don't really know about. I mm. kind of just like stay, stay quiet and just, but that, you that was kind of think you have trouble with that. Yeah. Like you've, just, do you find that to be a weakness? Kind or? of. That's interesting. Like having an opinion on certain things. I think I think one of the most intelligent things anybody can do is say I don't know. I specifically look for that in people yeah. as like a judge of character. Like if I ask you a question and I know you know nothing about it and you start rambling some bullshit to me, yeah. like that I would much rather you just you say, say I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Cuz then we could find out. 100%. We got Google, like we could hit it up, but like, yeah, dude, I'm like, just love to talk to talk. So I don't think you should see that as a weakness. I yeah. think you should see that as, you know, the, um, the wise man knows he knows nothing. You know, the only way you can get smarter is if you take what you don't know yeah, and use it as a base to learn what you can know. Yeah. Um, so interesting. Little no, yeah, that, that, that a hundred percent. I just like always found myself like in that year, in that first year here, just like listening. Yeah. And just, I didn't really have anything to input. Yeah. And I was just being, you know, a lot of my, like, one of my roommates was just, like, always, like, preaching these things. And I would just kind of take oh, it all in. Yeah. And cool. it wasn't really, you know, some things hit, some things didn't. Yeah. And course. I was kind of just like, all right. No, that's know. great. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a very valuable, a very valuable philosophy. Because if you get in the habit, it, it's the answer I don't know. And being one of those people that doesn't interject just to interject is it strengthens your self-awareness. Like yeah. it's you using your, your self-awareness as opposed to your social reflexes. A lot of people just talk out of social reflex out of like fear of rejection or fear of being the quiet one, 
fear of awkward silences, all that stuff. Yeah. And there's so much more strength that comes through from people who are very intelligent, who can have a conversation with you when the time comes, but most of the time are just minding their business. Yeah. I think that's an incredible, incredible quality. Um, anyways, so yeah, you're so back, learning back from the gurus. Yeah. Um, and they were great. I mean, one of my roommates was a, um, insanely talented producer. Mm-hmm. Um, and during, I mean, during that year, I learned a lot from him and I knew I wasn't going to make the music he was making, but, um, we taught each other a lot of tricks and tips and every single night till like three, 4 AM in the morning, like we were just talking about music and talking about production and watching movies and getting influenced by other creative outlets, you know? And it just kind of opened my mind to what music and musicians can do like it's not just music you know it's like creating like worlds and it's creating um um feeling yeah like a like a an atmosphere listening and experience mm. you know um and uh yeah so that that year was very much um learning and growing and I'm still growing, you know, I'm still learning. But that was the first time I was like really aware of, I got to like, just brought, not just broaden my, my horizon, like really expand right. where this could go. Cause it's, it's not just what you thought it was when you came out here. It's a lot more than that. You Did know, you feel when you got here that you knew a lot and then that this was like almost like a humbling experience to where you saw I yeah. guess the potential for where yeah, you yeah. could go. Yeah, yeah. I, I, when, when I, when I came out, like, I mean, I wasn't, it wasn't cold like a lot of the kids who were coming to the school, and it took a couple levels for me to like really get challenged. Mm. Um, and I, I did see, you know, there was, there was a lot of, when I came in, like, I was making pretty cool stuff. I guess better than what I thought, and gotcha. you know, um, but I'm, I'm always like, my worst critic like I'm for all my stuff but just hearing like people's reaction to it and it's definitely reassuring Mm. always but um at the end of the day if if I'm if I if I love it and I I did love the music I was making back then like when I was home before I moved to LA like my first like cohesive piece of music I remember like calling my parents up to the room I was, I was making stuff in (laughs) and being like, just like, listen to what I made. (laughs) Like it's, it's like, it's a thing, you know? Yeah. Like what I created. Yeah. Like this, it's a thing. And they, whether they comprehended or not, they were just happy that I was static. Like I was like, so that was like a moment for me where I was like, yo, like I, I did this and it wasn't just like, you know, Mm -hmm. um, so that that was it was a high like i wanted to like keep keep it going keep it going um but that was that was a moment where i was like okay like this this felt good like Mm. i want to keep going so um yeah i i think i mean i I was in after that year i kind of i was like okay icon doesn't place you anywhere now it's it's me like all you all me so the icon collective that was like a one-year course one-year course after that 
you're out on the streets. They don't place you. Got to figure out how to make a living as a music producer. Figure it out. And uh, what was that like? Was scary, I imagine. Yeah, it was scary, but um, you know, I mean, I have all my projects I've ever made in my life, and I'll like go back and I'll listen to some of them, and just seeing the progression of where my music was going, I was like, okay, just Mm -hmm. as long as I like apply and work. I mean, I was I was making songs every single day, multiple songs, like just trying to keep keep it going, right? Like this was this was it you know and when did your sound start morphing a little bit from something influenced by porter robinson say to being influenced by whoever's next um the next um man yeah it like really it went from like porter robinson to like i was listening to like uh things with more um songwriting aspects Still electronic, but um, like Lewis the Child and, you know, these these kids are still DJing, but they had more vocal front songs. Like okay. the vocalist was definitely more of a focus than, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I think the first project that really turned me around, which I listened to last night, actually, in, 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 it's in the like the whole entirety in the entirety yeah was 22 million by bony bear okay um it was the perfect crossover of like electronic influence and like folk songwriting Mm. and it you know i was like i can maybe sing i can maybe you know and he's not like producing his stuff but he's writing and he's playing the piano and it's not the same type of creation Mm. but i was like this is some right some shit like i've never i never heard anything like that album so that's kind of broke down the wall for you creatively saw you 100 percent into a new kind of uh musical realm and um yeah i think uh you know i was listening to like even when i was listening to porter like and the electronic stuff i was still listening to like hip-hop i was still listening to you know, Tyler and Odd Future a little bit, but it was never, it was, it never clicked that maybe I should be like, like, I want to make this stuff Mm. that never clicked. Mm -hmm. But there was some hip hop influence on this Bon Iver album as well. And like all, it just, I just needed that. I needed to hear it to be like, okay, like this is, this is it. And then I, you know, just, I wanted to capture I want to capture like the feeling like when I listen to things like I want to capture like I'm inspired by the feeling that it gives me right um and I can do that a lot better now than I could back then but um recreate those feelings right like how I feel when I listen to this I want to feel that way when I when I listen to a song that I make okay um so yeah I I, that album was definitely the turning point so you're outside of Icon Collective you hear this album that makes you question your sound or, or your creative yeah. horizons. What happens next? What is that you're like? Um, I just keep experimenting. If, if anything, that album taught me, like, there's no right way. There's no way something should 100% sound like. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to, I was always, anytime someone asked me, 
what kind of music I make. I just say I make experimental, like hip hop, experimental pop. I never know how to categorize what I make because it's right. just like it's a very it's it seems to be a newer sound. Like it's a very lush type of music that's been coming up in like the past five years. Yeah, um, and it has lots of jazz influence from like you know jazzy guitar, but it's also very deeply rooted in hip hop. Yeah, so I think. We just seem to be, I mean, even with Igor, we seem to be at this this crossroads creatively where there's just a lot of new sound moving boundaries. Like all of a sudden you have rappers spitting over acoustic uh, guitar, you know? Yeah. And it works, mm-hmm. you know? Not that that hasn't been done before, but it's, we're in such a, 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 a like a fertile age of, of experimentation and music that um, I think it's going to be hard to put anything in a box, especially uh, the the sounds that you create. A hundred percent. I think I think everyone has the ability um, to to uh, present what they hear in their head. Mm-hmm. You know, I I heard it took it took some time, but after a while, I I heard my voice, mm-hmm. um, like singing, like singing, and. Uh, naturally my influences kind of started coming out you know i started listening to frank ocean who actually uh someone we worked at worked at the um modeling agency with introduced me to frank like i didn't really know shouts out troy shouts out (laughs) yeah that was that was it and then i think blonde existed for a little bit without me even really knowing I kind of kept, I, 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 you know, I never look back and say, damn, like I wish I had heard that earlier because mm. I think everything kind of hits you when it needs hits to. you when it needs to. And that album really hit me when it needed to. And then I kind of dive into the rest of their dis- discography and really right. dig in. And man, I mean, my music taste just, constantly evolving but there are certain pieces of of work that will always have you know a special place you know Mm -hmm. like channel orange is unbelievable as well absolutely but there are certain artists who you know their their voice like i was like he really you know his voice like really he just makes it work Mm -hmm. it's not trained in any way but it sounds good yeah you know um not talking about Frank. Frank has an angelic yeah, voice. I'm talking about. I'm talking about pipes. other people. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I, Frank is the is. I listen to his music and I'm like, oh man, like I want to make, I want to speak, you know, like what he's saying. Like this is his life. Mm. He's putting his feelings out there. He's presenting himself. Right. I could maybe convey that with sound, but words, you know, are. It's something I want to really, really dive into. Um, it was a, it was a whole other beast, and I feel like I conquered the production to the point where I could, you know, not put it to the side, but re- t- take a moment and like write right. and take on a whole other beast. You know, you feel like you put your hours in with production. I put in, I put in my hours, and um, I was like, I have this. Now I can use that, and train myself write you know poetry and just stream of consciousness and just writing down my my thoughts and stuff 
and writing lyrics and just hours and hours of just like shitty songs right. but like you know finally just kind of making something that you you like and you're like okay this is this my voice works with something like this and then you know right um yeah so i think i think probably right now people would know your work best through um john's tape free radical yeah um you did a lot of the heavy production on that and created incredibly beautiful landscapes for john's to, to work you. over um so but before we dive into your processes with John's and what it's been like working with him and how you guys have kind of put together that tape. What, what was it like pre John's before you kind of had this creative, I guess, project to like really sink your teeth into were those, were those good times? Were you still moving sure footedly or what, what, what was that looking like for you? I, I actually met him when I was at icon. Okay. I'm like, I like don't think about the timeline very, very often. Um, like things just happen. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. Um, but he, so my roommate, um, like a lot of things happened. It, it's, it's crazy. Like when you think about like some of your closest friends, you're like, okay, how did I meet this kid? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And it's like a lot, like a lot happened for me to be able to meet this person. Um, so my roommate, I had four roommates. Um, one of them was like an exchange student from China and he didn't get into the school. So he left. So we needed a roommate and one of my best friends, uh, still to this day, my first roommate here, Josh, his pledge, uh, someone in his pledge class, um, was like, I kind of want to go to the school. Um, so he's like, move in with us. We just had someone leave. So he's like, great. So he moved in and I think like a year prior, a year before he was DJing this kid who moved in, DJed for one of Justin's shows in Tampa, Johnza. Um, and he came to visit for a week. Um, and that was kind of the first time we met. We made it, we made a couple songs. Um, and we were like, this is cool, you know? Um, and he wanted to come back to LA and he wanted to uh, keep making stuff and mm. whatever, but that was kind of the start of it. But had, you know, that exchange student, that never would have happened, which is, you know, but yeah, I think, I think that first couple songs was like, we were like, we know we have something here. Interesting. Um, so the chemistry was almost, almost immediate. Automatic. Yeah, yeah. I never worked with a. I like, I never worked with another artist. That was my first dive into collaboration. Was this and, your first dive into like almost hip hop production as well? No, I. I mean, I, I was making. I was making hip hop. I, I was really inspired by like Flying Lotus. Okay, that, that's another part. I, I mean, Flume was a huge inspiration of mine um, when I was at Icon, and he's like heavy uh, hip hop. Mm. So that was really my crossover. Okay, my my drum just got like exponentially better like listening to flumes music mm -hmm. they were like off the grid and i was making like these like wonky things and they were just like I, even i was like what the fuck is this? you know like <laughs> and that that was that was yeah. sick i was like this is cool um so like a couple beats i like made like inspired by like that type of sound were sounding like you know they were like 808s they were like i was really diving into like kind of new age hip-hop mm -hmm. and uh 
yeah, so I had some beats lying around, and uh, I think the first thing we ever did was like my final project for Icon, <laughs> just like some random thing. You and John's, me and Justin, yeah, and uh, it was um, it was trash, but uh, yeah, I I, I, w- I was definitely making some hip hop. I was I was making some some beats. I don't remember what what they were what they, were, they were sounding like whatever, but one thing I want to touch on is. Um, when I first came out here, I was there was no thought of like I'm gonna work with other people. Interesting. Yeah, you came out here just completely. I was solo. super. I was super like I'm a. How did you I don't see know, this playing out? Like coming out to LA. I'm like, a DJ. Like if you look at my icon description, right. like when I sent in my my resume and everything about me, I said in. 10 years I want to DJ or like five years I want to DJ at, at ultra and do all these <laughs> things. And right. I, I just thought you do that by yourself. Right. When you're an artist who's producing electronic music, you can do that all by yourself yes. with your computer. Right. True. Very true. So that was my thought. And that changed very fast. I mean, almost immediately completely overwrote your initial. Yeah. Like I started, I started working and producing with, you know, my roommates and I started making stuff and I was like collaboration is the most important thing right now in my, in my music. Like I, I want as many people to touch my creation, this track before it goes live as I can. Right. You know, it's like, it makes absolute sense. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, um, I think the value of a good ear alone just one yeah can completely alter the course of a track when you spend so much time with music i mean i know when i was writing music and and uh recording music myself like i would get so attached to a song that i could not see past it i could not even see what it was like i could only see the hours that have been spent into writing that certain verse yeah or writing that certain lyric or that hook or whatever and when that happens you get more enveloped in the process of of creating the music than executing it. Yeah. Um, and you just get lost in it. And then one person comes over and they say, hey, bro, this shit's kind of trash. Like, this shit yeah. ain't that good. And you're like, you get defensive. You're like, what do you mean? I've put hours into this, but it's not an hours game. It's a, it's a, it's works or it doesn't game. 100%. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there are a bunch of, uh, you know, never, no one ever said like, this isn't it or this is, this is trash to me, but I get like a feeling when people aren't riding with it. Aren't riding with it. Yeah. And that, it it used to, it used to, you know, cause, cause everything, you know, what, what you make is like a lot of you and for someone to like not feel it like you are, like, it's hard to like comprehend. But once you like really think about it, it's like you're riding with this because it's you. Right. It may not be someone else. Yeah. I mean, I mean we're all naturally going to tell ourselves that what we make is inherently good. Right. Because the idea of encountering something that is bad from ourselves means that we got to go back to the drawing board yeah. and we got to do the hard work. And, I, and I, I always try to just be like, yo, like, you're not as good as you think you are. Like, just keep, just keep making, like, you're just, you're not. Right. You know? Because so, I'm, I, I, I don't think I'll ever reach my highest potential. I don't think any of us ever do. That's just kind of right. my. Well, something I think to speak on this point. Um, going back to Tyler, but um, for me, my Tyler has been Mac Miller, and he seemed to be one of those people who 
kind of adopted that same mentality. It's like, I cannot reach my highest point because every time it seemed like he felt like he got to the top of his game, he would just step up, uh, but he would do it in a different way. Yeah. So you have Mac Miller's discography, um, kids, super frat rap, like really cookie cutter, fun, fun, fun stuff, but you know, you're not winning any awards. Right. And then you move on to his more, uh, his projects going down the line. You have Macadelic, you have, um, best day ever. You have faces, you have faces. blue slide park and faces seems to be this point where he kind of jumped off of everything that was expected of him. Yeah. Um, and was like, I'm not going anywhere with where I, if I continue making music where I am. And then when you put that in hindsight with, with uh, circles that just came out. Have you listened to circles? I have. It's complete. It's yeah. not even hip. It's not hip hop. He, <laughs> he was folk almost. Yeah, he was becoming an unbelievable musician. Right, like, a musician, like not a rapper. Like he was picking up every single instrument. Yeah, I mean, and it, it was. Um, I mean, it was amazing to to, to witness. And I, I think, I think that last album was a great. Um, send off, great send off. Yeah, I mean that was just a beautiful. Yeah, it was a great send off, but almost part of me wishes it was closer to what he's traditionally made, mm-hmm. just because it'd be easier to live with the fact that okay, we got more of the same. Yeah, as opposed to like this dude was going off in a completely different direction musically and sonically, and he was creating music in a completely different genre, but doing it at a high level and doing it well. Now we may not see where that would have gone, you know, and that to me is the heartbreaking part. Whereas if we got like a swimming part two and it was more of the same, like jazzy rap, like, you know, muted hooks, muted yeah. vocals, stuff like that, it would have been awesome. But this was like phenomenal, but it also hurt that much more. Um, yeah. Fuck, man. Rest in peace, Mac Miller. So um, you were kind of hooked up with Johnza. You were plugged in with Johnza basically since you got out here four years ago. Yeah. So uh, like my after my first year here, um, and then um, he came out one more time uh, before he moved in with my. I don't know if he moved. I, my my memory is kind of gone, but um, he we he came out and we made a song. Um, with my friend, one of my producer friends from Icon, Vin, um, shout out Vin, uh, we produced Face Down, and that mm-hmm. was like the first like like oh shit like we we just made like this some, is some pretty cool right. yeah, and then we didn't put it out for like until we put out the project. How long was that? A year two? Like a year and a half, two years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That was a song that. I mean, I don't want to fast forward too much, but that was a song that they, the people that distributed it kind of found us from. They were they kind of saw when we put that out, like, oh, this is this is pretty cool. What else? What else you got? So, face down um, from you and Johnza um, kind of gives you what you've been searching for moving out to LA. Your first taste of like, oh, this is real, mm-hmm. or this could be real. I can actually do this, somebody's noticing me. Yeah. What was that like? Explain that process. Explain what you were going. It was cool. Um, I, so, yeah, so, so, uh, Justin was living, um, with me for, for a year, the year that we were working on Free Radical. Mm. Um, 
and we were kind of just working on that project, planning on, he was planning on just putting it out with whatever money he could and mm. whatever it was. Super bootstrap. Yeah. And um, it was kind of, the whole experience was, I don't even know if FaceTime was going to be on it, but then we got hit up by a, dis- a distributor, mm-hmm. like a management company. Um, all the above and went in for a meeting and they're like we love this song face down like we've been watching you for two years all, all all this stuff that we just never experienced like they said they were they were like keeping tabs on you guys yeah just years. like looking at like our instagrams wow. and like they knew like i took photos and they knew everything justin was doing and all, all everything so was it was this like kind of in line with what you were expecting of your first like management meeting to look like so, like shiny office like all that yeah. stuff yeah like, yeah yeah it was um it was definitely exciting just to, like be noticed right um and we we were putting out songs for for like a year before that just like on soundcloud just like random mm. little things with some videos so i think they saw like that like do-it-yourself mentality and how we were making all this stuff by ourselves with no help and it was cool right and uh, they wanted face down on the project, and we were like, okay, that was kind of like the. There's a, a condition. Yeah, it was like, it was like a condition, but they're also like, if you don't want it, then you don't have to. But <laughs> okay. we want, it, you know, right? Of course. But we wanted to put it out, so it was kind of it was already out. Mm. He just didn't know if he wanted to put it on the project, mm. and then they're like, we can push it, whatever. So then, um, Free Radical came out. And that process was long. Yeah, dig into that. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was my first. How many people were attached to this project? Like, how, there was three different producers or? Yeah, so actually, so I went to, when I was in Israel, mm-hmm. I went to Israel um, for like a month or whatever. I don't even know how long I was there. But the other producer, Will, was making a couple songs with Justin. Justin was living with this kid when I was gone. Right. And they started making some stuff and Justin had an idea of making a project and starting something. So when I came home, it was kind of like off and running, like Got right this into is kind of getting right into it. Um, and it was me, um, two other producers, Justin, that's it. And uh, we kind of, uh, picked up from what we knew, mm-hmm. how we, you know, we, we were comfortable in the studio with each other. And uh, I kind of had to get comfortable working with this other producer and we figured out our process. Um, but in every, in every process and every project, there's always, you know, some clash and mm-hmm. some, and it was my first one. So right. this was all new stuff to me, but uh what were yeah. like common pain points? Like what were, I think what were I I, I think about? the hard the hard thing that I really had to to you know not take a backseat, but I was producing a project for someone else, mm-hmm. and it was my first dive into that in any aspect, like making like a world and something that I always thought about doing, but I never thought about doing for someone else, and it kind of just like happened, okay. and like you know. Um, so like you making, you're making this project for somebody else was, was one of the hard points, like kind of having to 
take a back seat to their direction and their yeah. vision for the project. Yeah, but but you know, we we have a lot of the same ideas mm. and we like a lot of the same things, so it was more so all like everyone involved kind of getting on the same page. And at the end of the day, it was it's always, you know, uh, uh, Justin, you know, just like kind of deciding like this here, this right. that, and you just being like, yeah, I, okay. I I agree. But I, you know, never shy of like having an opinion or whatever it was. But I think that was like the hardest part about it. Besides that, it was it was a really really fun process. Right. I mean, he's so fun to work with. Yeah, he's he's electric in the, in, in the studio. Yeah, on his tracks, he's gotten uncanny ability to just improvise like, like freestyling is not even the right word like he's, he's no no just but incredible yeah like freestyling like could be though <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like like a lot of those songs like are like first ideas just getting in the studio like any beat i play for him he's always like all right let me just hop right. in and just like spit some stuff yeah this. he's got he's got very impressive instincts for somebody without a large body of work it's wild it's like he's just i guess he's just put in the time um to like really master this craft of like spitting off the top it's wild man it really is um i'm and sure it makes it probably easy to work with you yeah. don't have to and, extract and it, much. it's super inspiring like just like i mean he just hops in there and like just melodies just came to him yeah. like for a lot of these songs and you know i'll, I'll i hear certain things you know so i'll like we found like a rapport and mm. figuring out like how i kind of convey an idea to him and how he tackles it and takes it in. What so what what um what cut off this album probably took the longest or um there's a song called Dior that took the longest. Why um, so? It was uh I mean there were a lot of songs that didn't make it. That that was one that was maybe not going to because it was taking so long. Mm. Um is this part 1 or part 2? Both. Oh. <laughs> that's kind of the that's kind of the <laughs> that's idea what behind happened it. There. Um, I don't know. There were like certain sounds in it I wasn't satisfied with. And he, it was one of those beats that, um, he had a prior verse from a a song we made, Mm. like maybe like before, I mean, before the project, but, um, I was like, oh man, like there's kind of, there's a verse that can maybe live on this beat that I just made. So I kind of just like threw a verse over this beat and it worked. And so it wasn't even it was wasn't tailor made for that beat. It wasn't tailor made for that beat, which was the problem hmm. originally. But we were like, maybe this was just like meant to happen this way. And it was kind of just that that was that was just right. The pro that was just the process of, of the song, and we just kind of had to just accept that. I'm and assuming then, you guys tried to tailor to to like write over this beat. Was it just nothing was coming out right? So then, so then, yeah, we we, we tried to do that, and then it was kind of just not not happening mm. we, we we just came to the point where it was this is kind of how the song should be and it was it was um yeah I, I i think uh part two came it wasn't that was written for for right. that but we felt like it needed another part and how far along was this in the actual process of like the album it was, was the last song finished it yeah. was the last song so do you think it just like it wasn't coming just from exhaustion and just wanted to be done with this project well, at this point. It was, it was like, it was done. Like, I mean, the first part was done. The, the, the first part was done. 
but we didn't know it was done until the end. We were finding like, you know what? That first version of it is kind of just how we should live with it. You know, right. we had so many sessions, like just trying to get it how we thought it maybe should sound Right. when, you know, that was kind of the, the first part was kind of just done off, off the jump, off the jump. Yeah. And just and kept revisiting and revisiting. Yeah. We like, thinking. we like shoved it to the side, finished a bunch of other songs that made the cut. Some didn't. And then we revisited it and we were like, maybe this should be it. So let's touch upon the whole collaboration aspect of yeah. Free Radical. So you're saying getting as many people to touch this track as possible is the best situation. Yeah. So did that extend into songwriting as well as production? Or how was that process looking like with, with you, Justin, uh, Josh, and Will? And Will? Like, yeah. Did you guys all collaborate on everything or were there certain things that were off limits so i mean a lot of so it all it, it, it you know certain songs happen a certain way i mean all, in, always in every project like i'll make a beat justin will write a verse we'll both write a hook or he'll have like a hook idea and then we'll put lyrics over it you know or he'll have a melody idea we'll write chords to it then i write the beat Okay. All this stuff. So it all happens very, very differently. But if something's not working, we'll kind of just be like, all right, let's not waste our time on this and just keep. But we'll always see out the idea. Mm. That's always, you know, but we always try to keep it fresh. And um, I think the hardest part was finishing the songs because we love creating new stuff. And for a first project, I I got hit real hard with the realization that okay, wow these songs gotta get finished now <laughs> and like i can't we can't keep making yeah. new stuff it just can't be a demo that lives in my computer forever well yeah it's just gonna <laughs> if we keep creating new stuff then we're gonna it's not gonna it's not gonna be finished right we're just gonna keep and th that was happening so somebody I mean, had to step up in like an executive yeah like a song like pick up like the album before before um anyone took notice or anything it was like seven songs and it was going to come out in November mm. with no, with no, with whatever money we had, whatever it was. And out of those seven songs, two of them actually made the project. So we like, we're like, let's sit with this, take our time. Are you loving it? All that stuff, you know? And, uh, we were just learning and, and figuring things out together you know, uh, and it was, it was nice having that, that other person there, like to learn with, you know, not, not, not doing it on my own, but now I know how a project comes together, which is valuable, valuable Very stuff, valuable. you know what I mean? But yeah. So when you guys actually pushed this project out for radical, did you, was that still with just your guys's own resources or did this get picked up with, with some extra help or? Uh, yeah, so it eventually got picked up, um, which is the, the meeting that we had. But uh, it ended up, there was like a deal with it for uh, distribution and all that stuff. Um, and it ended up coming out in June. So mm -hmm. that November release that we originally had for the seven songs turned into, I think it's 13 songs for for June. So that's like... A couple months there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little bit more pressure. Yeah, so it was, um, yeah. And how long did it take to, to, to create 
this project from start to finish? Like, when did you guys start thinking about, like, what's the timeline? Started it in uh, June, June of 2018. Okay. Uh, original release was going to be November 2018. So about a year then. Yeah, and then, year? right. So then when we got hit up, we were like, all right, let's 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 continue on this. Like, let's put out more stuff. Let's make it longer. Let's, you know. Um, and then it turned into 13 for June. So it, it was a full, full year. Right on. So after the release of Free Radical, what was that like having come out to L.A.? Came out to L.A. four years ago, right? Uh, yeah. You came out with the idea of being the next Porter Robinson playing at Ultra and Electric Zoo. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're immersed in this hip-hop heavy project uh with a rapper from tampa florida and you guys are experimenting with live instrumentation inside of inside of the studio as well as traditional hip-hop production as well now you complete this project first project ever whole collaboration deal how does it feel how did it feel once you got this out what were those following months like in terms of reception for the project as well as like how are you feeling internally now that something that you came out to LA for like one of these 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 um these milestones were hit like yeah. you you set out you accomplished what you set out to do which was to come out here and do the music shit for real right the financial success all of that like that's maybe secondary it needs to be primary at some point right. obviously but ultimately what you need to do as a musician is have something to to show for yourself and you did that yeah um and so how does it feel now that you've accomplished that and where, yeah, where do you no, see this going? It feels great. I mean, I, I, I always, I always, for the longest time, try to keep the financial thing secondary. <laughs> I, I, I still kind of do, but I mean, you try to do it as long as, as long as you possibly can. Um, I think, uh, I mean, it feels, it feels good. I mean, it, it like still feels good to like have something like under your belt. Um, but immediately after you know you just like want to move on to the next thing some people need some time or whatever um but i was just you know during that process i was like taking photos i was making videos i was like delving into like other forums mm -hmm. ways to express you know what i saw visually and i was just there were no boundaries there was something that just really clicked was just doing like a bunch of things like I was never like satisfied with like just doing the music thing once it became like something I knew I could do and I just learned a bunch of new skills things that I can now apply to everything that I do so this new project moving on to what's next does that look like another project with Johnza under your belt with it with other talents or is that something more that you want to accomplish with you yourself and I, uh, kind of front and center. Yeah. So, so, um, flash forward to now. Mm -hmm. So I don't currently live in California. I moved back to New York. Um, reason being reason being I was here for five years, kind of just wanted to kind of come back to your roots, my roots, you know, steady my mind, kind of just refocus and put myself in a new uncomfortable situation. When you say steady your mind, what 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 was going through your head in LA that you felt you needed to kind of I was step just, away from? I was just not 
it just didn't feel like real life after a little bit. I was kind of just, you know, I, I didn't know what was next. And um, I remember like one of the last conversations I, I had before I left was with Justin and, and uh, another buddy of mine after these couple sessions, the last couple sessions for uh, his next project, which we can get into. But um, I, my, it really came down to my ego mm. just being like wanting to prove to myself that I could be out here. Like I know I could be out here. So like I want to prove to myself that I could afford to do this on my own and figure it out and do all this, all these things. But deep down, like I knew the right decision was to go back. I just didn't want to, I didn't want to be okay with that. Yeah. I didn't want to be okay with that feeling of like going home and like being with my fam, with my parents and living back. Right. Um, but I now being there, it just feels like it was the right thing I'm back. Yeah, yeah, like I'm I'm in a really good headspace, and I'm just more focused than than ever. Just really experimenting with my own sound and figuring out my own path and being a little selfish for a little bit. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like I I I don't know. I I always uh knew it would happen but i didn't know when and then that was kind of just the the send-off did producing a project for somebody else or like being like a chief producer on a project did that put a bad taste in your mouth for being a producer and like kind of push you more in the direction of being your own entity um no i mean i i i knew i always wanted to have my own project i just didn't know how it was uh i i was like i this isn't the right time you know, it'll happen, but, you know, it's just not right now. And then flash forward a year and then it just kind of free radical happened. And then that was a year. And then um, things just kind of happened and just wasn't falling in line. Mm. And then flash forward and now I'm home, got my own studio now. Right. It just seems like the perfect time to right. like really develop. Yeah, you something. get to kind of... You- kind of get to harness your own cabin in the woods and, yeah. and figure out uh, it, it's another quite literally to, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the woods yeah right. you you kind of get to have another foray into self-awareness right which is like so important for us to keep returning back to that place because that's how we learn more about ourselves that's how we challenge ourselves creatively and figure out what our next step is yeah so uh, i commend you for taking that step but when you say when you were in la right before you left when you refer to it as not feeling like real life can you unpack that a little bit yeah. What were you feeling? What was going on? I mean, so many like things get like jumbled and there's so there's so much going on here that I kind of just got too comfortable. I, I, I never really um me and my friends, like we never really went out. Mm. We weren't like very social beyond our own crew. Mm-hmm. You know, there were a few there were a few opportunities that I took and got outside my comfort zone and didn't know anyone and made some made friends and you know, some acquaintances and that, that was great, but it wasn't something that I sought after. Right. And, it, and, um, it's something that I wanted to, mm. I just couldn't get past, like just always working on, on music and getting in the next step. And I think that's what a lot of people's attitudes are out here. And 
I was becoming a version of myself that I didn't like in other people. And Too much work, not enough play. Yeah, like I, you know, like the oh, we should definitely hang out. Like, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, like, right. and then I'm like, wow, like I just completely dusted. Like we just didn't hang out. Like you felt like you were saying that, knowing it to be disingenuous. Like, yeah, I mean, or not, knowing not, that it wouldn't happen. Like, like I when, when I say that, like I want to hang out with that person. Right. Like I, I want to, but like things happen and like, I'm, I'm like kind of in my own world and it just never happens. And I like kick myself for it and yeah. I'm, I'm like, shit. Yeah. I struggle with the, with the same thing, honestly. Like when, cause when I do say that, like, yeah, let's hang out soon. Let's do something. I do truly mean that, right. but I don't, I don't know what it is, but when I'm in that moment, when somebody hits me up, like, Hey, let's hang out. Yeah. I just cannot bring myself to, to do it like right. no matter how much i enjoy that person it's i i think it might just be related to exhaustion like fatigue and all this stuff like you're so enveloped in what you're i mean doing. especially as like a self-aware person like you basically live inside of i don't know like your own echo chamber of criticism yeah you know and i find that to sometimes just the constant daily cycle of like, am I living in accordance with my dreams? Did I do something today that I could pat myself on the back for? Am I proud of like who I was this year, this month, this week, this moment? And it's, I guess that's kind of the burden of self-awareness is you're constantly putting yourself under the microscope and you just learn to value the downtime you have so much. Bringing yeah. somebody else in from outside of it just becomes sometimes to me an insurmountable task. I'm like, I would love to see you. I would love to know what you're doing and what's going on, but just know I don't have the bandwidth right now. Like I cannot peel myself off of this couch. Um, yeah. And I think it's I think it's something that's pretty common with I think the, the millennial generation and Gen Z. It's just like we're experiencing this different type of pressure from society. Um, I think a lot of people are becoming more aware of the fact that. I guess society isn't really looking out for you as much as it used to. Yeah. Um, so you're kind of getting this like burnout sensation prior to the actual midlife crisis, you know? Yeah. People are almost like having quarter life crises now that are, that are incredibly real and incredibly existentially like dreadful. Um, I, I, I think it's like, I mean, to, to that point, like there are moments where I'm, I mean, I'm going to speak for myself is like, I think I'm more busy than I actually am. Mm. And, you know, when I'm not hanging out, when I like kind of don't hang out with someone, I'm like, you know, I kind of, I do have time. Right. But I know I should be doing something else right now. Right. And, and, and when, when you don't have like a set schedule and you don't have like a, um, um, like a, a day set out with like, I have this at this time, this at that time, that at this time, your day just becomes like, okay. I don't know when I'm going to do this, but I know I want to at some point. And I need to get it done. So right. I got to get it done. So when someone reaches out and is like, I think we should, I'm like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to do this thing. I got this to-do list I haven't hit yet. <laughs> but like, it's not set, you know? So it's like, I think having like, setting like a, a day and um, like figuring out a schedule for yourself, you know, mm. is something that I, I need to get better at working, right. at, at doing, you know? And it's tough when now I'm living back home and i'm i'm two hours from anybody by, from from my <laughs> from my closest friends i'm like by myself you know right, yeah 
and I, I think I think when I, you know when when I am by myself, uh, when I am around people, you know, they're and I, I Phineas, um, uh, Billy Eilish's brother. Right, yeah. I heard him talking about this what it, what he does, and you know he's he's in sessions and doing all these things, and they're obviously set out for him now with Is his, his manager. last name Eilish. Phineas Eilish, would that make sense? I think it's O'Connell. Oh. Phineas O'Connell. Okay, never mind. Back to it. I, don't know. <laughs> I think that's her last name. Okay. But I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> um, uh, he said every day he goes on a hike. Mm. Every day. Mm-hmm. Whether he goes with someone or by himself. And when people reach out, he has the same problem. When people reach out, like he just doesn't... His schedule is just so beyond. Right. And he said... I'm going on this hike every morning. This so this is your time to come. You could come come on a hike with me. me. You know what I mean. So it's like he uses that. He uses his schedule to his advantage. Yeah, I've literally thought about this like exact scenario. Except instead of hiking, it's like when I am home alone. I am doing. When I am home here, the only thing I'm really doing is putting record on after record after record after record and driving my fiance nuts. Yeah. Um, And like I've thought about like, if you want to hang out with me, you just come over and listen to records with me. Records with like 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 come and come into my world. I I know it. I mean, it sounds like selfish, but it's like like, that's how I could incorporate. This is my time. Yeah, dude. I I don't know. I don't know any other way. It's it's strange. It's like um, it's almost what you were saying about the to-do list, it's, it's like we see socializing and see uh, building relationships with other people as like almost like a um, fun or like a break. Yeah. So when somebody hits you up to, to hang out and like get to know you better, you're like, it reminds you of all the stuff you're not doing. Yeah. And you're like, I can't come see you right now because I have a lot to do and I cannot bring myself to do it, but I'm going to get there eventually. And For once real. I get that, then we can think about it. It's a con. It's a, that's a constant <laughs> struggle. That's something that like, I was oh I was doing for years and I never really called myself out on it and mm-hmm. then I did and I was like all right how can I solve this Do you have social anxiety? Yeah. Okay. I do. Right on. Um <laughs> sick. <laughs> um but yeah, yeah. sick. Um I I think uh I think everyone I mean everyone has like some sort of anxiety just everyone has a different way of dealing with it. Yeah. I uh yeah, I definitely have social anxieties i i am comfortable around people that i've already opened up to and i'm already but i'll have glimpses of like just being super being super on it yeah, yeah like when i'm on and like i'm out like it's, it's it's a whole other thing like i have just different modes so here's a super potentially deep question yeah is your innate busyness a mask for social anxiety could be could be. Like, yeah. So when somebody hits you up and you're like, I'm busy. Well, I mean, it, it, well, okay. So it depends on the person. Like, right. If they're hitting me up and they're one of my close friends, close friends right. which chances are it is. Right. I, I think that's, I have no problem with that. But if someone hits me up and they want to go out, <laughs> that's a different story. Uh, got some stuff to do. Right. Because yeah, I, I, I mean, I, there's a reason why I didn't go out in college. It's in just, college. Yeah. And there's a reason why I didn't drink and, it's just like I would rather do other things. Yeah, I feel that. It's you know I'll go out a, f- a few times, you know, whatever. But it's just not something I yeah like. It's not one of your values. Like clubbing, like nah, nah. Miss me with that. Miss me with that. Okay, so now you're out in the boonies of 
New York right now? Yeah, long, New York. Long, east end of Long Island. East end of Long Island. You are in your cabin in the woods. What's what's going on? Um, Let it bring us into your cabin. What are you what are you working on? I'm cooking. <laughs> You're just cooking up soup in yeah, the stew. Dude, I'm <laughs> I'm like I'm making some I'm making some of the best music. I, like I'm so happy. When I first got there, I didn't have the space. So I I I had a shed in my backyard and I built a studio like I insulated it, painted it, mm. made it my own room. Yeah, it, it's 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 that uh it's it, it feels great. Now that it's done, that moment that I had before it, those those couple months before it, it was done, I really didn't have a place to like put my ideas and it was really frustrating. But having the space now, like making music and like figuring out that space for me has been life-changing. It really changed my experience there. And um, yeah, I'm super pumped. Has there been any moment so far where you just thought of tossing it all in and stepping away from music? Um, no, no, no. Um, I I doubt myself, but <clears throat> I've doubted myself so many times that I know there's light. There's that moment. There's that song that you make where you're like, oh shit, like this is why. And I'm still doing do it, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've only had the the studio for for a bit, um, but so far, how long do you see yourself kind of in recluse recluse mode? Um, I definitely, I mean, I'm I'm kind of working on music right now with the intention of I don't want to like I want to put out a project, but I want to make it. You know, I I want it to kind of all happen. fluidly Mm -hmm. um like i don't want to like be like i'm making a project right now and it may not be it but because i feel like if you set that that goal like i'm gonna make a project and it's like all right i gotta put something out now and if i'm not ready to put it out then i don't want to put it out but if i if i say okay i'm putting out this project then there's kind of that like that like pressure of okay i gotta put this out regardless if it's ready or not so I know I want to put out a project, but I don't know. I don't know when, but I really like the music that I'm making right now. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I know you have a session coming up. I uh, thank you for being yeah, here. You shed it. a lot of light on your creative processes and what it was like getting to where you are. Um, I wish you nothing but success. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I'm excited to see what you're cooking up. Appreciate it. All right, man. Thanks for coming. Thank you.